Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of StevGeek. I would like to welcome my guest to the show today, Charlie Kyneth. Charlie has worked for some of New York City's most preeminent startups, including Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Intersection, and now Beeswax. With over 10 years in the recruiting space, he's mostly focused on engineering, data, and product, never shies away from those hard-to-fill positions. When it comes to recruiting, he has both led and managed teams to drive hiring and come up with new, unique, and outside-the-box methodologies to attract and retain talent in an ever-evolving startup ecosystem. He's always looking to chat, whether it's about the latest and greatest in tech or just general career advice. Hello, Charlie. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this uh, for some time. So we can... Uh... Looking forward to uh, having the chat and you know sharing some knowledge and you know hopefully answering some questions that'll help out others uh, in the space. Excellent and same here. Thank you for being here. If you could for our listeners, please give them a little bit more information as far as your background and how you became the head of recruiting at Beeswax. Yeah, sure. So uh, it's a funny, funny story. You know, no one uh, ever grows up saying, "Hey, I want to be a recruiter." Uh, <laughs> I was actually. Uh, started out uh, right after school. I had a, uh, a degree, a Bachelor of Science in Finance and Information Systems, and you know, wound up working for uh, one of the financial institutions uh, here in Manhattan. And uh, around 2008, um, once the financial crisis hit, unfortunately, I found myself looking for a role uh, for a new job. And uh, my boss had suggested that I go speak with one of his friends that was a recruiter and, you know, he'd get me a job, no problem. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks went by, uh, I was pleasantly persistent with following up with him. And he said, Hey, you, you know, a thing or two about tech, you know, wh what do you think about, you know, being a recruiter, um, in the world of technology? And, you know, at first I was a little bit reluctant, um, you know, after spending a bunch of money and getting, uh, you know, uh, an advanced degree and next thing you know um, I still didn't have a job so all my friends were working in the city and uh, I was at home and I you know I needed to figure out how to get out of my parents house so I, I took a job um, as an agency recruiter and uh, you know the, the rest is history so I, I worked agency for a couple of years until I had you know pretty solid lineup of of customers and clients. And, you know, this is, this is back in, you know, 2008, nine, when a lot of the startups started moving into New York city and uh, being that I was a jaded finance guy, I, you know, I, I pledged that I'd never work in finance again. So uh, while all my colleagues were working with, you know, the big finance companies, you know, I decided to go, you know, a little bit more towards those, you know, seed a stage type startups and, uh, you know, it worked, worked out well. Like, like I said earlier, I, I made, made a little bit of luck for myself and got lucky at the same time and, uh, you know, wound up, wound up where I am today. So it was definitely, definitely fun, good relationships along the way. And, uh, yeah, currently today, um, small startup where I work, uh, it's called Beeswax and, you know, we build a, an enterprise SaaS platform that allows brands and product marketers to buy advertising in real time and uh, things are going extremely well. So. Very cool. Thank you for providing the background and uh, an impressive background. It is, I must say, you got some exciting stops along the way and I'm really excited to kind of dive into the topic that we have prepared for uh, this episode and learn more about beeswax. And I'm going to start with the 
one of the things that attracted me to your profile, what I saw on your LinkedIn profile is a quote that you have on there, which that in of in itself gets me excited about beeswax. But it says, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, you don't ask what seat, you just get on. I'd love to hear more about this story and how it relates sure. to your company, sure. your culture and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So, you know, what I, what I think about that quote, you know, I, I did steal that. It's not uh, a quote I made up. It's actually a quote uh, from Marissa Mayer, uh, who used to be the, uh, the, the, the CEO and president of Yahoo. So she had said that once and it really resonated with me just because, you know, in this day and age, you know, I feel you know, a lot of, a lot of candidates are, you know, real, always more concerned, um, you know, about the money, uh, the title. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I've always seen that, you know, if you, if you join a, a company and you love what you do and, you know, there's potential for that company to grow, you know, it, the you know, title and money shouldn't really matter at that point. <laughs> you should be, you know, looking to just join, you know, a fantastic company with you know, great people and great culture. And I think the rest, you know, will, will take care of itself. Right. You know, I know, I know, you know, fun and, uh, you know, a culture doesn't pay the bills, but you know, if, if it's something that's going to get you to the next level of your career, you always have to think ahead of you know, setting yourself up for, you know, what's next, maybe, you know, two, three, four years down the road, you know, where you want to be. Um, so sometimes, yeah, that might require you to sacrifice a little bit in the short term to, you know, get to where you want to be in the long term. And, uh, you know, the, the good candidates do understand that. And, you know, it's proven fruitful for them in their careers. Um, some people that you know, didn't heed that advice, you know, might you know, hate that. <laughs> Maybe they're making that money, but they, they definitely hate going to work every day. And, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather make, you know, a couple of grand less and love what I do than, you know, sacrifice that, uh, that love and fun for, you know, a couple thousand dollars at the end of the day, you know, over the, over the course of your career isn't, uh, isn't really going to hurt anything. Right. So that's, uh, kind of the backstory behind that quote is if you see something that, uh, looks interesting and has high potential, you know, don't worry about the title or the money, just take the job and you know, see where it takes you. I love the perspective. Uh, I did not know that was her quote, so that's good to know. Uh, but it's obviously resonated with me as well too. Definitely speaks to me and I, I get the point of it pretty much immediately. And that's kind of, so part of what we wanted to talk about today, right? Our topic was the power of storytelling in recruiting, right? So like, just like that quote tells a very specific story and an exciting one at that. I'm going to talk about really the power of storytelling and recruiting and how that can really level up your recruiting efforts as you're looking to grow and expand your team. Uh, so much like that, as an example, we want to talk to you more about how you leverage this strategy to make your recruiting efforts awesome right? and just grow and make the team better. So we've got a couple of things that we're going to pick your brain about here today. And the first one that we want to talk about is one that, you know, really kind of speaks to that quote in terms of if you have an opportunity to join a team, that's awesome, that's growing, that's doing cool stuff, right? How certain other details may or may not matter, right? Which you started talking about with regard to like salary. Take a couple bucks less, but be involved and be part of something awesome, right? Learn new things, be super engaged in what you do. Not that, I mean, that just that's the kind of experience I think almost everybody is looking for. So the one topic that I wanted to ask you about is in terms of title. So can you talk to me a little bit more about like, 
why title might might matter less when you're talking about being involved in something special like that. Sure. So I think um, you know the when I think title, it's always funny because when I think title, I, I always think back to uh, you know the the good old finance days, right? Um, you know, at least here here at Beeswax, um, you know, just small and small other small startups. You know, it, it's quite funny. Like when we started here. You know, an engineer is an engineer, a product person is a product person, you know, a salesperson is a seller, right? There were, there were literally no titles. Um, and I joined about 2017. So we were maybe, you know, two, two and a half years into beeswax um, when I had started. And, you know, the title was just, you know, it was just never a thing. And I think that is kind of what allowed us to, you know, go to market and, and find those spectacular engineers because a lot of the, you know, the really good engineers don't care <laughs> either, right? They're like, I don't care what you call me, just, you know, maybe market value. And, uh, you know, if it's a good product, I'll, I'll hop in and do it, right? So it's, uh, those are the type of people, you know, that you really want, you know, people that are just driven by title. You know, I feel like sometimes, you know, they're, they're going to do what it, whatever it takes to get to that next level, but maybe, you know, a little bit more on you know the the selfish side rather than the the selfless side so that's kind of sometimes you know just from my experience what i've seen in the past i'm not saying that's everybody but by far i'm not saying that but you know it, it's something that you know i've observed you know throughout the years of you know having these conversations and you know finding these great people yeah i can certainly see how that would definitely be effective and uh, get the job done excellent good to know there um so another thing that we talked about previously as well too, and I'd, I'd love for you to talk about it on this episode is, right? How do you uh, basically it's telling the story of what your company does, right? So you sure. you started doing that, uh, introduced this show, and right, making it exciting, right? How do you get what's a what's the most effective way to do that for companies that are looking to get candidates uh, excited, energized about what it is the company does, and realize that they're going to be part of something really cool. Yeah, there's so, so there's always different there's always different ways um, where you can make your, your your company. Hey, if you're at a company, you should be there because you're excited about it at the end of the day, right? Um, and there's always different different you know advantages and disadvantages you know, at your company. It's all about you know playing to the strengths rather than the weaknesses. You know whether it be you know industry, um, whether it be the actual you know tech um, that you're building or you know the scale that you're working on, right? Like for, for me thinking about the different companies and, you know, roles I played throughout the years, you know, some did have, you know, better advantages than others, right? Like I look back to, I don't know, think Huffington Post, right? Huffington Post in the day, like that's really, you know, when mobile was big and, you know, they were kind of like one of the first big major, you know, publishers, you know, to, to go mobile and, have a, you know, a really nice UI and like that tech was just like cutting edge to what they were working on. Um, I think BuzzFeed, I think, you know, pretty amazing, you know, content management systems that were being built out, tons of different A-B tests, you know, data was really coming into play there. Um, also, you know, it didn't that, you know, BuzzFeed was a big name, right? And, uh, you know, it's it still to this day is hot, but it was extremely hot um, back in, you know, 20, 2013, 2014, 15. So um, that was amazing to just, you know, play off of, you know, the, the press and what we already had going, right? Um, 
you look to a company like Intersection, like Intersection, a lot of people might not even know what Intersection is, but it's a, a spinoff um, from Google. And uh, what we were doing is we're, we're actually the, the makers of the Link NYC machine. So if you live in New York City, um, you see those big digital kiosks with ads, you know, the, the idea is behind it, it wasn't just ads, right? Like ads, we sold ads on that to power or to, you know, to power the, the sharing of knowledge and for people not from New York City, you know, maybe visiting from a different country, the ability to, you know, have free internet, um, be able to call anybody, you know, within, you know, the, the continental US, you know, from those kiosks. So it was about communication and community and, you know, helping maybe some of the less fortunate access city services that they might not be able to because they don't have, you know, a computer. So, you know, I think that I think more civic, right? Um, I think beeswax where I am now, you know, the tech is probably some of the most premier cutting edge technology, you know, in the industry today, right? Um, a bunch of, ex, you know, Googlers came together because they thought that they could do something a little bit better without as much red tape. And, you know, at five years after that, after the original, you know, concept was written on a napkin, you know, now we're, you know, nearly a hundred people and, you know, one of the, the bigger players, you know, in the ad tech industry. So, you know, every, everything does have its, its strengths and weakness, weaknesses. It's really all about, you know, playing towards the strength and being able to tell that, you know, that juicy, compelling story, whether it's, you know, hey, this is how we started, or, you know, maybe it's the more exciting stuff is where you are now. And, you know, maybe it was a bumpy road in the beginning, but now everything's great. You know, you'll emphasize, you know, what's going so great now, right? So there's a definitely a lot of ways to have those conversations and, you know, set it up, um, to make things, you know, sound as good as possible. Right. Um, and I'm not saying, say good, saying things as good as possible to, you know, to try to smoke and mirror people, but it is one of those things in the recruiting game. Like you need to set yourself and your company apart from others. So not only is it your, your own reputation, um, but you know, the business itself. So I say, you know, talk truthfully, respectfully, and, uh, you know, hopefully you could strike up the conversation with the right person. Yeah, I would probably refer to that as positioning in my world, thinking about it from a pro product perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And it uh, certainly makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, that, so another component to that, to another component to this story as well, too, is, right, the value proposition of what your company actually does, right? Talking mm -hmm. about that with people as well also, and really how you position that, right? So Absolutely. with Beeswax being in ad tech, right, I'm sure... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you get the occasional uh, whole host of questions about that in terms of how are you unique, how are you different, right? Of course. Um, good, of course. bad, and otherwise. So I'd love to hear you talk to us a little bit more about that as well, too. Like, how do you position the value proposition of what your company does as well, too, for candidates? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, also kind of a, a funny anecdote, you know, before I even go there is, you know, beeswax. So it was something that uh, you know, I found out about beeswax because uh, I had a, one of my friends, a good friend from high school, <laughs> I'll date myself from high school, his younger sister was working at Beeswax and had reached out. I was like, hey, Charlie, are you looking? Are you interested? You know, we had them at this company, Beeswax. We're looking for someone that could come in and, you know, help set up, you know, recruiting from the ground up. Are you, are you interested? And I was like, well, what is it? Like, oh, it's an ad tech company, programmatic advertising. 
And the first thing I thought is like, oh my God, I hate, I hate ads. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy on, uh, you know, if I'm watching YouTube and an ad comes up and, uh, you know, it, it's over, you know, if I can't skip it, I'll just, you know, X out of the screen and just go on to do something else. Like I'm not, not big into the, the whole ads game, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the funny thing that we all forget is the internet's free for a reason, right? <laughs> like, that's a reason why you don't have to pay a, a su- subscription besides your actual provider. You don't have to, you know, pay a subscription to browse different websites, right? Um, because the ads power that. So I think for, for us and, and what we do, it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to get an ad, it might as well be something that you like <laughs> at the end of the day, right? Something that is somewhat enjoyable and, you know, it does, uh, somewhat reflect um to an end user's day-to-day right kind of fits in with their lives and what they do so i think from from my perspective here um i think we're you know our, our mission is to build you know fantastic excellent software right um and that's what we do we build fantastic software and then the scale that we we do it at is it's actually mind-boggling because you know we have a small team you know probably i'd say between engineering and product like around 40 people here uh, maybe a little over. So almost half of our company um, is on the, the tech and product side. And, uh, you know, our three co-founders are all super technical. You know, they wrote some of the original code base here. So it's also not like someone came from, you know, a management consulting firm with a great idea, and, you know, surrounding themselves with the right people. Um, you know, these are, these are products and, you know, the company was built, you know, by and for, you know, technologists, which is, is fantastic. So that's like when I, when I think about like our story here, you know, Hey, you know, ad tech, it might not be the sexiest thing. It's not like we're, you know, curing, you know, cancer, you know, doing, you know, cutting edge, you know, coronavirus research, but you know, we are, we are working at some pretty insane scale using some really cutting edge tech at, you know, the speeds that we do it at and the latency that we have to deal with is it's just, it's amazing. I, I was I was a naysayer before I got here, and then once I actually saw how all this works, um, you know, I was like, I have to be here. <laughs> between the you know between the co-founders, the team, and you know the actual like products that we're building, it's it's, it's pretty fascinating, um, and it's also a, an ever-changing ecosystem. The world of ad tech, right? Because just because you build it one way today, doesn't mean that you know it's going to be compliant or you know make sense, you know six, even, you know, 12 months down the road. Right. So it's always changing, um, which also helps from an actual engineer standpoint, right. Um, you know, it negates some of that burnout because you are always working on something a little bit different, um, than you did, you know, the quarter before. So it's not like you're, you're at like a big tech company working on, you know, the shading of a button for the next 18 months of your life. Right. So, um, and it also allows you being that we're a little bit smaller, um, you are, our team could touch more and, you know, some of the, you know, the two, three, four year engineers that are here are are touching the same thing that, you know, a principal engineer would be touching at, you know, Google or, or so, you know, I don't know, Facebook, like some of these other big, you know, fang tech companies. Um, So in, in terms of getting that experience to accelerate your career, I'd say, you know, we, we could definitely do that here, you know, a lot faster than, you know, some of the big tech companies, you know, looking at it from a candidate standpoint. Yeah, I would probably summarize that piece to say like, knowing the right way to tell the story, especially speaking to your audience too, right? Because that that sounds exciting to me as well also. 
So even if the initial value proposition of what the company does doesn't hook me, the fact of you know what that means for me and the kind of work that I might be doing, and like we may have the opportunity to move at breakneck pace or stay on the bleeding edge or whatever, that stuff is super cool and exciting. So there's different aspects of it as well too, which I'm sure engage candidates in different ways, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, also thinking about it from that perspective, you know, no two candidates are the same either, right? Um, you got to look at it from, you know, the kind of that end user, you know, you're a product guy. So I'm sure you build products looking at the end, the end user, right? Like, who is this for? Like, you have to think about that, you know, on the recruiting side as well, right? Like, you know, who, who is there a specific demographic or, you know, the conversation that I might have with, you know, a recent college grad is going to be a different conversation that I have with, you know, uh, a principal, you know, experienced engineer that, you know, might have a family and, you know, a home and, you know, they're not living in Brooklyn or Manhattan and they're in Connecticut. And, you know, well, nowadays you don't have to really worry about commuting too much, hopefully. But, uh, you know, there's all those other factors that definitely come into play. Uh, that I think sometimes, you know, on the uh, the talent acquisition recruiting side, you know, people people do sometimes forget about that aspect um, of the recruiting game as well. Yeah, good point. I would also, I would say the original portion of what you mentioned as well too, in terms of being able to clarify or really help people have a better understanding in terms of what we do is knowing a little bit more about the history of, you know, how the company came to be, but also the industry, right? So you mm-hmm. talked about, how ads make the web, you know, the web and the world go around kind of thing. And then how that integrates with what we do and what our piece of that is, what our mission is as well. Also that I think that can help to like demystify the process a little bit, which like you said, I, I have a similar experience myself and I don't know if you've seen the social dilemma on Netflix, but now everybody is seeing that and they're, they're, uh, they're really questioning like everybody's checking their device usage time and stuff like that. And then I think that's good for raising awareness, but at the same time, you know, that there's a lot to be learned for people that don't know as much of that level of detail. But if you are armed with the right amount of history in terms of how things came to be, you can have a much more exciting conversation probably with a candidate about, you know, how this came to be and what we're doing to make it awesome or, you know, right wrongs or whatever in the industry kind of thing. So it sounds like the history is a big component of that as well, too. Absolutely. Very it's good. A good uh, it's a good, like, uh, you know, at least starting starting out point, right? Especially yeah. if, you know, you do have a little bit more of a, you know, complicated or complex type product. Um, I think it, it gives it gives it some legs to stand on, you know, going, for, going forward as you further that conversation. And it's also, you know, if nothing else, you know, sometimes I, when I talk with my candidates, like, if nothing else, they're learning something too, right? So, it's kind of like, yeah, either, either it's going to work out, you know, from that initial conversation, um, you know, things are going to go well and you're going to interview and, you know, hopefully get that job or, you know, hey, maybe, you know, it isn't the best of fit and, you know, we're going to pass. But at the end of the day, you, know, you should always, I always feel, feel good about the fact that, hey, someone, someone, both sides are leaving with, with a bit of a takeaway, right? Whether, whether you get the job or not. So that's uh, always something to think of as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Charlie. And thank you for being here. I only have a couple questions for you before we let you go. The first one is, what resources would you share with our audience where they can go to learn more about anything we talked about today or anything else that you think might be helpful or valuable for them? Absolutely. So I'd say um, for me, when I when I think of you know, how I access resources here, 
um, you know, a lot of it is community based and, you know, word of mouth. So, you know, it's not too hard, you know, here, here in New York, um, it's a pretty tight knit group of recruiters. So, you know, we do, you know, monthly meetups and, you know, there's a couple of different groups out there where you could turn to Slack, um, and have that community. You know, if you don't have it, you could, you know, seek it out. If you want, you could build your own, right? So be able to get together with some folks that are, you know, like-minded in the, uh, in the space. And, you know, maybe it's just setting up, you know, a couple, couple minutes a week, or, you know, maybe it's a, an hour every month to, to get together and, you know, talk through some of the challenges or successes that you've had. Um, that's always a great thing. And for me, it's like, you know, I just, I subscribe to, you know, a bunch of different blogs. Um, you know, I do work with other companies like Hired and Vettery and, you know, some of these third party, you know, sourcing companies and, you know, they always have pretty good material around, you know, kind of the latest and greatest, what's new um, out there. So, you know, I always say if, if you could read some material, like there's, there's plenty out there, you just have to search it out um, nowadays. But I always say like getting together with peers, um, you know, whether it's, you know, same industry, different industry, but at least, you know, within that uh, recruiting framework, I think you could, you could go a long way without, you know, having to go too far, especially nowadays, you know, everybody's working from home. So, you know, whether that's a, a LinkedIn message or like I said, a Slack chat or, you know, some type of direct outreach um, that seems to, you know, do the trick for me when I have questions. Excellent. Thank you for that, Charlie. And we'll link to that stuff in the notes. Uh, last question we have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, you know, I'm pretty much an open book. I'd say the, the easiest way, you know, to get in touch with me would be to reach out over LinkedIn. Um, fairly simple. Um, we'll also put I did some links on, you know, to Twitter and some other social, um, uh, we'll share, uh, where I can be reached out to, but you know, I'm not, uh, I have conversations with everybody from, you know, career advice to, Hey, how should I, you know, how should I position myself to, to look nowadays? Right. It's like, I feel like there's a ton of people applying to jobs. You know, how do you, how do you stand out from the rest of the crowd? So I've had conversations around that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm an open book, whether it's about beeswax itself, um, some of, you know, the, the way I've navigated my career in the past and kind of, you know, set myself up for success. Um, you know, feel free to reach out. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Charlie. We'll link all of that stuff in the notes. And thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with both myself and our audience. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. It was a lovely time and uh, hopefully we can do it again down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com. We would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek. StaffGeek helps companies hire smarter, by increasing retention, and combating turnover, all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your fit tech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.